With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another Spotlight Series podcast by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and today I'm joined by Kevin from the Mandura Celtic Supporters Club in Western Australia. How are you going Kevin? Yeah, I'm good Jared. It's nice to speak to you. I have to I have to correct you on the pronunciation of Mandra mate. Because Mandra? Mandra, not, not Mandura. <laughs> oh, I said it the Victorian way. I apologise to all the West Australian listeners out there. That's, that's alright mate. Mandra, there we go. Got it better now. All Good on right. you. So, do you want to tell us a bit about your CSE, when it was founded and by who? Yeah, so um, it's actually, and I was I was actually looking this up because I thought you would ask this question anyway, but it was, it's actually seven years, um, just over seven years ago, the Mandra CSE was founded. So it was around about March, uh, March 2013. Um, we had our first. We, that's when we were talking about it, and then we had our first, um, our first meeting, I suppose, um, in in the April of 2013. So yes, yeah, seven years the club's been going. Um, there was three of us initially that that talked about it. I, I've I've been living in uh, in Australia now, all, all of which been, has been in WA since 2010. Um, I spent a couple of years living in a little town up the up the west coast called Geraldton. Um, and Geraldton was a small place. There was a couple of Celtic fans up there, but um, it wasn't really big enough to have a, a Celtic supporters club. But coming from a coming from a family in a town like Coatbridge back in Scotland, where there was a lot of Celtic supporters clubs, and my father ran the Ergo Brass Celtic supporters club in Coatbridge. When they, I moved down to Mandra with the family in uh, in 2012, January 2012. Um, there was I knew there was a lot more Celtic fans down down in Mandra. Um, so prior to that, the, you you would travel to Perth. Um, so Mandra, for people that don't know, is uh, it's a it's officially a city, but it's a big town of about uh, eighty odd thousand people. It's an hour's drive south of Perth um, in Western Australia, but. Uh, People that know of Perth CSC is a massive Celtic supporters club um, in Australia. It's um, it's it's probably I'm I'm a little bit biased, I suppose, being in WA, but it's uh, in my view it's it's probably one of the best run clubs uh, in the country over here as well. It's it's massive and uh, they've got healthy bank balances, things like that. But speaking to a few Celtic fans down in Mandra. Um, we we believed there was enough of us down here to to actually try and establish uh, certainly not a club to compete with Perth 
or rival Perth in any way, shape, or form. Um, but just to, just to give Celtic fans in Mandra the option to get together, uh, watch the games together in Mandra rather than uh, have a, a an hour long train journey or up to Perth to to join the Perth CSC. So so that's really how it it started, Jared. It was a Initial chat between myself, um, a chap called Michael Ch- uh, Shadlow, who's nicknamed Shaggy. There'll be a lot of this, the Celtic fans in Australia know Shaggy. Um, and another a guy called Dennis Doherty, who, funnily enough, I get introduced to via uh, a member of, of your club, Jared, the George Dean CSC, Stephen Fallens. He was... Um, he, he got in contact with me because he was watching Celtic TV and there was a mention from this guy called Dennis Doherty who was in Mandra and uh, I hadn't my Celtic TV subscription at that particular time but um, I ended up getting in touch with Dennis um, Celtic TV put me in touch with him actually and uh, we had a big long conversation and then we talked about establishing this Celtic supporters club in Mandra along with Michael Shadlow and uh, and that was it from an initial chat with the three of us in Murphy's Irish Pub in Mandra. Um, we 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 had the first uh, the first meeting. Um, we agreed initially that the 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 pub that we would uh, watch the games in. It's another Irish pub in Mandra called the uh, Friar Tucks. Um, so we established the uh, we established a club. We had our first meeting there. Oh, there was maybe about a dozen people present for the first meeting. Um, back in about uh, April 2013, and uh, and yeah, it all, it all kind of started from there. And we've been going, uh, we've been going along since. We've had our ups and downs as a club, as all supporters clubs do. Um, everybody's got different views and opinions and how clubs should be run and things like that. But it's quite difficult when you're such a small club as ours um, in Mandra. It's it's. Uh, it's difficult, and as I said before, we never um, we never see ourselves as, as trying to be competition to our, our big brother, as I always refer to them, up the road in Perth. Um, we're, we're just a small little club that um, allows uh, allows a few Celtic fans to get together locally and uh, and watch it while we're uh, you know half uh, half the world away from uh, from paradise. So whereabouts is currently meeting up for games? Is it still at any of those taverns or pubs that you just mentioned, or mm. is it at a different venue? Yeah, it's not, Jared. Yeah, it's, we're currently it's a pub called the Piper's Inn. Now it's a it's a Scottish pub, and it's uh, it's it proudly advertises itself as the only uh, Scottish theme pub in Western Australia. So um, they've got the highest they've got the highest sales of tenants lager in Australia. Um, that's a start. So um, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good little pub, a good little boozer. We've been we've been meeting up there to watch the games uh, for the last last couple of years now. Um, we started off as I said in Friar Talks, and we were there for a couple of years. Then we had a, another stint at Murphy's Irish Pub, which is a it's if anybody that knows Mandra, Murphy's is right in the town centre of Mandra, so it's a very central location. Um, and we had some great times in Murphy's, but when they they decided to get rid of BN Sports channels at one stage, so that kind of forced our hand a little bit. And uh, the guy that owned the Pipers in was keen to get us to to come around and watch the games in his pub, put a bit of business his way as well. So we were uh, kind of hand was kind of forced in one respect, but we've uh, we've been in the Pipers the last the last few years, and it's. Um, no, it's been it's been really good, but obviously with um, with the whole coronavirus thing that's going on just now, we're all suffering. So um, we've not we've not been down there for a while. I've caught a game in the papers for a while, which is unfortunate. So yeah, the papers in. I'll give that place a shout out just now. They look after us well when we're in there. So with the pipers in, so you mentioned that the last pub was at Murphy's. Didn't have yeah. in sports, so is, mm. does the Pipers in just show the games if they're on being sports, or does you have Celtic TV for all games to be shown there? How does it all work? Yeah, no, no, we're lucky, Jared. Um, we managed to get all the games, so um, obviously it's um, it's a lot easier when games are are shown and be in sports over here. Um, 
it's a lot easier. But um, we do have Celtic TV subscriptions, so um, we can use um, we, we can show we, we can basically show every game. So every single uh, you know league game, in any game that's that's broadcast, it's got television coverage um, either through any of the you know the Sky Sports, the BT Sports, um, or home games for Celtic TV. We can we can show all the games as long as there's cameras at the games, we'll be able to show them live and uh, in the papers, which is great. Um, I guess the, the only thing um, can be that it's, it's sometimes a bit difficult on when you're re- relying on the internet connection and stuff like that to be good when you're streaming these games through Celtic TV. It's sometimes the the quality's not there. It can be a bit punch and go sometimes, but uh, you can't really do too much about that, unfortunately. So that's why it's. Um, Usually the games that would be slightly better attended, um, I suppose from our point of view, would be those ones that we know we can get through BN Sports um, rather than Celtic TV. But um, yeah, we, tr- we try and show every single game live that's on at a reasonable time, obviously. Uh, being in Western Australia, we're a bit more lucky than you, Jared, with the kickoff times. Um, Especially this Sunday. <laughs> the last couple of seasons when the game's out. You know, Thursday, Sunday, because of the Europa League, it's always a nightmare over here but, for the yeah. kickoffs. But yeah, you guys are right. loving it. Oh, we love it. I mean, the best kick, and I know a lot of the the, the guys back home. Um, they they don't like the lunchtime kickoffs. You know, the twelve thirties over there. But for, in Western Australia, it's it's a brilliant time for kickoffs because it's it's either half past seven in the evening or half past eight in the evening. Because of course. In Western Australia, we don't do we, our clocks never move. We don't do the daylight savings or anything like that. So we're always either seven hours ahead of uh, of the UK or uh, or eight hours, just depending on what time of year it is. So yeah, a, a half twelve lunchtime kickoff over there is always going to either be half uh, half seven or half eight in the evening for us, which is a really civilized time to sit down and watch your football with a few beers. You can get all the the family stuff for all your chores out of the way during the day. Uh, you don't have your wife or your girlfriend or whoever it might be nagging you because uh, you're, you're wasting a day going to the football, uh, which kind of, which was my life back in Scotland, I must admit. But Quite a uh, funny when you say wasting a day watching football, like, come on, mate. Oh, you know, you know, we wouldn't see it that way, Jared. But you know, there's others that do. Yeah, I know. I'm one of the lucky ones. My wife's just as mad about football as I am, so I'm all good. Ah, oh, good on you, good on you. So with the with the CSC, yeah, um, the process to become a member and how many members do you currently have? What how's mm. it all work? Is it? Oh, it's, it's very informal, Jared. Um, we're not um, our little club, but we're not uh, affiliated to the Celtic Supporters Association or the affiliation or anything like that. So, so we don't have a you know a, a dues or anything like that that you have to pay you know regular dues. We we do have a membership um, system, I suppose you would call it, but it's a it's a token it's a token gesture more than anything. Um, again, and that, that's largely because we are such a small club, and so for us, it's all about trying to encourage people to come along and watch the games with us, rather than we really need to be, you know, trying to have a large membership, or we want a big, you know, bank balance to be able to donate money to charities and all this kind of stuff. It's so it's a token gesture. It's as as long as you are a, a you know a Celtic fan, born and bred. If you're an expat, you find yourself over here, or you're just you're a you're a football or a soccer fan, and you've got a genuine interest or a positive interest in Celtic. You're you're made to feel more than welcome at our wee club. Um, so in terms of membership, you know we've probably got this season. I would say we've got probably around about thirty. Uh, paid up members, let's say, um, but you know du- during the season we could have anybody from a handful of people watching a game in the club to up to about fifty maybe. So um, we've maybe got thirty official members this season who have paid the measly membership fee of ten dollars, Jared. Ten dollars. It doesn't get you much. <laughs> it's cheap as chips, mate. But 
Cheaper than wine at some pubs. <laughs> it's certainly in WA. It's cheaper than some pints, that's for sure. But yeah, um, yeah it's. I mean, it's. A, as I said, it's a token gesture. To be honest, Jared, it's really just so that we can we, we take your, we take their name down. Um, and it's it's you know it's a flat fee for it for anybody. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, it's ten bucks for your membership. We don't dish out nice scarves or nice. You don't get pin badges and all this. It's it's really just ten dollars. You can say you're a member of the Mandra CSC. So that that's really what it is. But um, so yeah, it's a very simple process. As I said, as long as you've got a positive interest in Celtic, you just contact any of the the committee and uh, we can make it happen very quickly. Um, if Davy Barclay from Perth CSC ever ever happens to listen to this podcast. Um, he'll fit. There, there was a funny little story we had about our accounting system, but I'll maybe talk about that a bit later. You know, pay him, Davy. Looking forward to tagging. <laughs> oh yeah, ta- tag him away, tag away. <laughs> Davy's a tremendous fella from yeah. the Perth CSE. We all look up to Davy Barclay and uh, and the Mandra CSE, especially especially Danny Henderson Hall. <laughs> so you um you mentioned that you don't really do any fundraisers or anything like that, which is fair enough. Yeah. Do you do any like match day raffles or anything like that? Like five bucks in gets a number. Yeah. yeah. Got for the golf no, sport, anything like that, just to go towards covering your Celtic TV subscriptions or anything like that at all. Yeah. No, we have done, and when I say we don't really, I mean, for the size of the club, we've got an okay little little balance and it's we're kind of not that not that I would want inundated with requests for donations or anything like that but um, we have we have got some money there and we do get requests to you know donate to to this or to that but it's, it's small little donations of a couple of hundred bucks or something we might be able to make and you know things like if there's somebody's died or something you send uh, flowers to the funeral on behalf of the, the, the club little things like that um, but yeah, we're certainly not in a position where we can be donating, you know, thousands of dollars to to this, that, and the next thing. So it's we don't have like a dedicated charity or anything like that that we say we'll always donate to. But you know, there's there's a little bit of money there that if, if ever our members felt there was a really good cause, or if, um, if you know if there was something else that came up, we would uh, you know get the get the views of the members and the committee would have a chat and we'd, we'd, we'd be able to make a donation. So it's done sporadically, I'd say, rather than, uh, you know, that regularly. But in, in terms of fundraising, again, because we don't, as I say, strive to have a massive bank balance and, and things like that, we don't um, we don't tend to do kind of fundraising type things. But in the past, what we have done is... Um, there was uh, Shaggy, Michael Shadlow had organised um, the little football cards that a lot of a lot of Celtic fans, soccer fans, football fans would be familiar with. It's you know a little scratch card thing. You put in whatever it is, two bucks, five bucks, whatever, and uh, once all the little squares are filled, you, you scratch off the winning team and whoever's names in the box, they get the half the taken. So. We used to do little things like that, and there was another thing, you know, guess the half-time score, guess the full-time score, and then if you got both of those for, for the game that you were watching that night, um, and, you know, if you get both of those correct, the tiebreaker would be the time of the last goal. Little things like that. You know, you'd put in a couple of bucks or whatever it was, three guesses for five bucks, that kind of thing, and uh, the winner would get uh, half the prize money, so... We we did that, but again, it wasn't a you know it had to be done or it had to be organised that particular day. It would depend who was in for that particular match if it would get organised and things. Um, so as as I said, our wee club it really is that it's very informal. It's all about just getting a bunch of people together, guys and girls together that they just want to have a laugh, have a few drinks. Um, we get we have a good little social life. For all we're a small club, we've got a good little social life. We meet up not just for the games, you know. We we'll meet up for other things as well. Uh, but it's again, it's all it's all around Celtic Football Club, which is um, it, it just for us over here, Jared, as well as kind of expats living the dream and Oz, It's uh, it just makes it a little kind of home from home for us all over here, which is which is great. Except far nicer weather. 
actually, that actually tied into what my next question was. I was going to say, so is the CSC mainly made up of predominantly expats or mm. is there some local born members or is it like a 50-50 split sort of thing? Yeah, it's definitely predominantly expats. So that, that would be mainly Scottish and Irish and a few English as well. Um, but there are there are a, there are a few Aussies, Aussie-born supporters. So again, they're, they're always Aussie-born with either Scottish or Irish parents. Um, one one of our members, uh, Joel, who's originally from Frankston, actually over your your towards your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, but he's been over here for a number of years. His old man's from Belfast originally. So Joel was. Uh, he was brought up as a Celtic fan and a Collingwood fan. I don't know who you go for in the AFL if you follow that. But well, if the size poor bloke. <laughs> so he, I gets a bit of stick over here, obviously as well. But um, yeah, so Joel's a he's a Collingwood diehard and a Celtic diehard. Um, so he lives just up the road from Mandra in a place called Port Kennedy. So he's. Uh, yeah, he's a, I guess, a, a true blue Aussie. You wouldn't say too many true blues on Celtic podcasts, but he's a, Joel's a true blue Aussie, but he's he's Celtic through and through the guy as well. So, um, so we've got guys like him and another member, Aaron Calm, who uh, Aaron was he was involved with Amanda CSC from its formation, but he since moved up to Perth. They had um, we are you might even know Aaron because he's quite. Uh, He's big into the Socceroos and he travels travels all around the world seeing the Socceroos. Um, but yeah, Aaron's up in Perth now and he's uh, he's a member of the, the Perth TSC and he goes to see them. But he's, he's still a he's always made welcome when he's uh, when he's down in uh, in Mandra. His grandmother lives down here, so we'll we'll always look after Aaron when he's down for a visit if we can catch up with him. He's a good guy. So so we do we we've got a few Aussies as well, but yeah, it's mainly uh mainly expats. That's good to know. Um just one other thing you mentioned earlier about mm. not doing scarves or pins or anything mm. like that. He has had a um from what I saw online he did some tops yeah. earlier in the year. Yeah, we did. I have. saw them. I saw them everywhere. I had a, had a mate. I've done a <laughs> podcast. So a mate yeah. I did a podcast with, who's over in San Diego, and he's got yeah. one. And oh, saw okay. a bunch of guys <laughs> over in like, all, all across Twitter with him, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. So, so a bit of a story behind that at all, how they came. Ah, uh, that is. I mean, again, I suppose when I said we don't do things like that, it's mo- it's mostly for you know how some supporters clubs, if you, if you join up part of your membership, you'll get a. You know, you'll get a scarf or you'll get a something, and then that's part of your membership. Yeah, we but, get that over here. We get like a scarf yeah. or a beanie or something like that. What's your What's your membership fee in, in uh, Jockstein? Ah, uh, fifty for the year. Oh, oh, goodness me! Well, that's why. No wonder they're giving you scarves and stuff. <laughs> but it's um, cold over here too. <laughs> yeah, you need the scarf and beanies. But um, yeah, so I guess that. We wanted to keep our membership as low as possible, but just something like as I, as I said, a token gesture. So, for all we don't do stuff like that with memberships, we do have merchandise, um, and we've done in the past. We've had the the usual old uh, stubby holders and things like that. Uh, we do have pin badges uh, as well. We've got designs of them made up. Um, it's like everything else. So, Jared, you don't you don't want to go ordering stacks of merch. You you need to have. Um, you need to be able to get rid of these things, or you need to have uh, orders for them before you you order. You're, you're left with all this stock and things like that. So for a small little club like ourselves, it's a it's a balancing act between supply and demand sort of thing. So understandable yeah, about that because yeah, I was looking into <laughs> some stuff myself for yeah, uh, yeah. a while ago, and yeah, I was like, wow, well, the amount you got to shell out to get your stock, and then am I actually going to sell these things or? That's are we going right. to gift them on, or what are you going to do? So, yeah. Exactly. But we have um, that that shirt you're referring to has been very popular. Um, we did have just your bog standard kind of polo shirts with the Mandra CSC crest, which is again pretty unique in its design. And in fact, I should actually mention that there's a guy. Um, he's a school teacher over here in Mandra, Kieran McCabe's his name. Um, he, so he teaches in uh, the Mandra Catholic College over here, and it was he does design. So it was Kieran that came up with a few ideas for it, and they incorporated um, 
some of the things that Mandra's famous for in, in WA. So it's, it's very famous for its dolphins and there's the, the, the crab festival over here as well. It's right on the, it's right on the ocean and it's, uh, the blue swimmer crab is a, a famous festival that they have over here. So it incorporated a couple of dolphins on there. It incorporated this crab and there's the black swan, which represents Western Australia as well. And it's, uh, the crab's wearing its hoops, of course, and things like that, and it's, it's holding up. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at it now. I'm like, I legitimately a, did not... I noticed the crab and the swan, but I didn't yeah, even notice the yeah, dolphins on there. So, yeah, wow. either side of the... So, Kieran, he did an absolutely brilliant job of it, and uh, he's, he's rightly proud of that design, but I think all of our members are. Stevie Fallon's uh, over there. He slags it because it's just too messy and too busy, he says, but... Uh, now we're quite we're quite proud of the crest, uh, and it's, of course it's got the the star above it, the European Cup star above it as well. So yeah, a bit of a shout out to Kieran for that design because it's um it's, it's certainly unique, that's for sure. But um yeah, we do you know polo shirts all that, but the, the latest design, a bit of another shout out. It's a guy called Sean McGovern over here. A lot of people know Sean. If people follow Sean on Facebook, he goes Facebook Live constantly uh, and he'll be singing his songs on his guitar and things like this all the time so Sean, but Sean, Sean's got a heart of gold he bleeds Celtic green and white um, but it was Sean's idea he's got a, a friend back in Ireland so they weren't they weren't actually done locally they were done back in Ireland and uh, the design was, it was based off um, it was it was simply based off the 1967 uh, jersey just very plain Green and white hoops uh, with the you know the round uh, the round collar and uh, just a simple the Mandra CSE crests on it um, and then on the other side at the at the top across from the crest is a uh, the quote from Jock Steen about the uh, you know the Celtic jersey won't shrink to fit inferior players um, and then at the at the bottom at the front um, there's a a little motif of the European Cup. So it's it's a very simple design, but it's been a, a very, very popular design and it has taken orders from certainly a lot in Australia, but people from all over as well. And as you as you said, Jared, I've seen I've seen pictures of guys getting tagged in Facebook and I think it's been over in bloody uh, some of the, the European games. I've seen I've seen guys with the Mandra C S C shirt. Um, over in the over in the states and things like that as well. So, so for for us it's brilliant just to get a little bit of uh, publicity out there, uh, try and spread the name. Because as I, as I keep saying, we're a tiny little supporters club compared to you know the Jockstein, Perth, Sydney, Brisbane, and um, these are all the big supporters clubs over here in Australia. So for us to get a little bit of exposure through that kind of merchandise. Uh, and again, big th- big thanks to Sean for organising all of that for us. He did a really good job, and uh, yeah, so so we do have merchandise. If anybody's interested in it, just get in touch, and uh, we'll see what we can do for you. All right. So going on from that story, is there any other stories from within the CSC that you want to share? You mentioned Davy earlier. Yeah, oh, this is well, this is our accounting system, and it was oh, it was it was quite a funny story. So you probably get the picture now that we I keep saying we're very small, very informal. It's just you know it's just about Celtic fans getting together, and it was at the our annual general meeting that we had a couple of years ago, um, and we were taking the. We were taking the memberships, you know, so everybody, you know, having to renew and you've got a few new members and whatever. So we were taking down the, the uh, taking down the, the names and stuff like that and contact numbers, contact details and, you know, who's paid, who's still to pay, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, it was all written on this little slip of paper um, and our, our treasurer, He's still our treasurer. I mentioned him earlier on, Danny, Danny Henderson Hall, who's actually, he's now up in Perth as well, Danny, but he's still a member of the Manda CSC and he's still our treasurer. Anyway, so Danny was taking taking down the names and stuff like this. And of course, we're quite, as I said, we're quite a social club, Jared. So we always have some, even although it's a nice formal annual general meeting, we still would like to have a few beverages beforehand and during and after. So, um, 
so Danny's taking all the names down and things like that. He's writing down people's names, paid, not paid, still to pay, whatever. Um, on this little slip of paper. Anyway, as the day progressed, and usually these, we would always have the AGM before a game, so AGM and then the game would be after or whatever. So we're all we're all fairly merry by the time the the day's finished. Anyway, it was maybe the next week or something like that. They were you know, gathering our, gathering ourselves together again and uh that's the question, you know, Danny, have you still got the, the list of everybody that's paid? Who's the members and all this? Ah, oh, don't worry, don't worry, still got it. But it turned out later on that night somebody and I, I didn't even know about this until after the event. Somebody had found the slip of paper with all this important information. It was lying on the floor in the pub and the papers, beer stains on it and everything. And see, see, when I actually got my hands on it, some uh, one of the other boys, I think it was Marty, that uh, Marty Corney that picked it up, he hung on to it for us. But to this day, I've still got this bit of paper, and I actually put, I did put a, I did take a picture of it, put it up on our Facebook page, um, because one, you could hardly read the writing. It was, it was kind of, and a lot of the names were just ineligible. You had to take a guess as to what it was. But it was there was beer stains on it and everything, and there was and then of course when I put that up, that's how Davy comes in and makes his smart comment about the you know the Mandra CSE, the famous accounting system in Mandra CSE. So that was that was something. But there's so many other little anecdotes like that as well. We've had plenty plenty of good times, and um, for all we're a small wee club, we have we have good fun and a good laugh. There was um, one of the times. This was when we were still watching the uh, watching the games in Murphy's uh, shortly before we did move around to uh, to the Pipers. Um, now, anybody that knows Mandra, it's, you can walk between Murphy's pub and the Pipers. It's maybe just about a, I don't know a ten minute walk or something between the two pubs, and it's over a it's over a bridge. You have to cross an estuary over a bridge to get to the Pipers. Anyway. It was one of our famous games that we hammered the Huns. I can't honestly even remember which one it was, but it was a a Glasgow derby, and it was um, we, we beat them anyway. So we'd been watching it in Murphy's. We had a good crowd in, had a great night. Anyway, this particular uh, time, because we the Celtic fans always watched the games in Murphy's, there was a there was a, a group of of Huns that would go to the Pipers to watch the game and some of them would come down from another another uh, area called Rockingham over here people that know WA will know Rockingham there's a lot of there's a lot of palms and a lot of expats there but there's also a lot of Huns in Rockingham anyway they ran a bus down they'd actually hired out the Pipers in for a kind of private function this particular night to watch the game all together so there was about 50 of them in the Pipers Anyway, we smashed the Huns um, as we as we do, and uh, a few of our members decided it might be good fun just to go across the bridge to the Pipers to see if they could, you know, have a bit of a get a bit of a wind up or something like that with the Huns. Well, again, if this was back in Scotland, you would never dream of doing it at all. You just wouldn't do it. But over here, the guy, and again, a lot of our members, even although you know a few Huns would watch their games in there, there was a lot of our guys that lived at that part of Mandra that would that would be their local, so they would be well, well known and they would drink in there anyway. So they thought, no, it'll be all right, we'll go in. Anyway, I was I was wise to this. I thought there's no way I'm going over there to, to go anywhere near a pub full of Huns after after this game, regardless if if we've hammered them. But a few of the boys went over, full of their drink, full of bravado, including some wee guy that we met from Sri Lanka as well, who was enjoying enjoying the atmosphere. Let's say. Anyway, they went over to the they went over to the papers, and of course, as soon as they were approaching the pub, you had all these bears that saw the hoops coming coming across, and they didn't take to it kindly at all. Now, you had a few of the Blue Noses that were locals that knew a few of our guys. They would have happily invited them in, but this other bus, and again, I'm only going second-hand information because I wasn't there, 
absolutely furious. They were going mental. So they started chasing some of our boys back over the bridge. Uh, all sorts of things getting hurled, abuse, bottles, all of this kind of carry on. The police actually get called, would you believe, to try and uh, there wasn't there wasn't much. Uh, let's say it was it was handbags at five paces, that kind of idea. But it was it was hostile in the car park outside the the papers, and the the guys get chased. Some of our guys get chased by a few of them over the. Uh, Back over the bridge, that kind of thing, and uh, I was. It was just when I heard what had happened uh, the next day, um, I thought, "Bloody hell! You, you don't expect that type of thing to happen, not just in Australia, but certainly not in Mandra. You wouldn't expect something like that." And I was thinking, "Bloody hell! There's going to be stuff in the local newspapers over here about this, the Glasgow Derby, or the old firm, as they would call it, I suppose, but." Um, one of our one of our members, Eamon, uh, Eamon Doherty, he actually wrote a song about it. He called it "The Battle of the Bridge," and it <laughs> and it and it goes it goes to the tune of the wearing of the green. And uh, I put it up on the Facebook page as well. It was a great little song that he wrote about it. It was it was very good. But again, Jared, it just shows you. I mean, there's just a couple of little stories about stuff. There's been so many great times we've had as well, but. That was one that I always remember thinking, that's absolutely crazy. You're the other side of the world and that rivalry, um, when when uh, when passions are high, um, it could still cause trouble. That's for sure. Um, even even in a sleepy little place like Mandra. That's uh, strange to think that it happened so far away, but at the same yeah. time, as you said, emotions are high and. Right. Yeah, and there was a lot of uh, you know, people coming on a bus who don't know who's who in their town. So uh, yeah, that, that was that exactly, mate. That's that's why it happened. Yeah, crazy, crazy. All right, so trying to go on something a bit more positive, then what would be mm. the most memorable match that the CSC has hosted, and why? Oh man, uh, again, there's probably there's probably a a few, but and it probably would be just around those Celtic. Uh, Sevco games as well because um, there, there was one that stands out for me when we were watching them in Murphy's and again we probably had Murphy's is quite a large pub um, but it was one of, and I honestly can't even remember the, the scoreline in this one but it was one of the games we horsed them and it was about four or five it was four or five now or something like that um, but there was about 50 of us in there that particular night and we had a an area in the pub that was sectioned off it, Murphy's isn't a pub that's got its own function room or anything like that. Unfortunately, it's it's just a, it's a large space, but they'll section off an area for you if there's enough of you, that kind of thing. Um, but you're kind of competing with what else is going on in the pub, that that kind of thing. But for this particular game, they had sectioned off quite a large area for us, and there was about fifty of us in. Really good atmosphere, and of course we we destroyed them. So that that was one that sticks out, and. Uh, and again, more recently, in some of the games where we've forced them as well, when we've been down the pipers. Um, funnily enough, one that last uh, derby game just before, uh, or just after Christmas, just at the turn of the new year, um, for all we get beat in that game, the, the, run, the lead up to it and the run up to it was it was really good. It was an enjoyable day. We, we'd been out for for a, a good a good while before the game. And uh, Sean McGovern, who I mentioned earlier on, who plays the guitar, Sean was doing the, the pre-match entertainment, so he was on, you know, singing a few songs, or Celtic songs and stuff like that as well. Uh, a few Rebel songs thrown in for good measure. But um, it was just a brilliant, brilliant build-up and atmosphere up until the game, and then the game was just flat. But again, it's I think that's the good thing about being a... Uh, that Celtic family thing, Jared. When you've got everybody together, and you've got that one thing, that one thing in common, Celtic Football Club. You're all on the same page with a lot of things, and you can just have a great, you can just have a great time being together and a great laugh. And sometimes the football, you know, it's it, it's what we're all there to see, and it's what it's what we're all wanting to see Celtic win and all the rest of it. But there can even be occasions like that where. You don't get the result you're wanting, but 
you know what, you still had a great day out with great people, great friends and things like that as well. And I think that's, that's one of the things that makes us, uh, makes the Celtic family unique, I think. That's all they say, we're a club like no other. At the end of the that's day, right. the Celtic family, you can go to a place like mm. earlier in, like earlier this season, we went up to the Brisbane CSC and yep. I was in there with a quarter with a few, like there was four people I knew when we got in there, but by the end of the night, everyone's hugging, having a sing song, mm. become mates, that sort of stuff. So it's like, that's it's just great time. the way everyone gets together, gets around uh, the team. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what it's all about. So... We've spent most memorable at the CSC. Now, for you personally, mm-hmm. what would be the most memorable game that you've attended over the years or seen Celtic play? Yeah, uh, there's, there's probably, uh, again, there's, there's quite a lot, but if I had to home in on a couple, I'd say um, I was lucky enough to be in Seville for the final. That was, that was, uh, that was great. Um, but I was I was literally I, fl- I flew in that morning for the game and then I flew back right after the game. It was it's always a flying visit, but just the whole atmosphere and being in a, a European final, um, it, it's still one of those things, Jared. That you know you don't know as a Celtic fan if you'll ever get to a, a European uh, f- a final again in your lifetime, sort of thing. So that was pretty special. Um, it was just really really unlucky. Um, not to not to win the trophy, but again, just the whole atmosphere and being a European final that was pretty memorable. And the other one, of course, that sticks out. I'm sure it's the same for lots of Celtic fans. Would be the six-two game. So again, when I was when I was back in Scotland, latterly I, I was only I was a season ticket holder. And I went to all the home games, but prior to my kids being born, I'll be they're quite old now, but. <laughs> Uh, prior to them being born, I used to go to all the games home and away. But um, the most memorable, or one of the most memorable matches for me at Celtic Park would have been that six-two game. It was just uh, my memory sometimes not the best, but that that day is still as clear in my mind as if it was yesterday. Uh, just in terms of you know being three 0 up so quickly in the game after about whatever it was thirteen minutes, fifteen minutes, something like that. I, I just remember turning to my old man and my brother. There used to be nine of us in our club. We had we all sat in a row, nine of us all together. And I just remember, you know, you, you just could not believe it was this. It was the kind of the it marked the start of that the change in fortunes from the Huns cheating domination to to the start of our domination really. Uh, I think that was the real turning point that game, going into it. But to to blow them away in the way that we did, um, and of course Hendricks Hendricks goal in that game as well is memorable. The chip uh, over Kloss and uh, yeah, just so many so many great memories of that particular game itself and the day. And and because it was such a significant match, it, it did just herald the. The, the change in fortunes between both clubs, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's like re our, our support and everything uh, that happened. It, it was like it really kind did. of like ding dong, the witch is dead sort of thing. Yeah. We go, uh, the crowds up and about, and you wouldn't mm. have wanted to be one of those people stuck outside coming late to the game or going to no. the toilet before the kick off, and then next thing you oh, come back, it's two goals already. You would have yeah. been. Oh, exactly, exactly. And again, some people that, you know, some people would get into the match 15 minutes later, whatever, bang, you've missed three goals against your arch rivals. It's, uh, yeah, it's just... Over the years, like I went to an A-League game a few years back where we got stuck mm-hmm. out the front, didn't get in until 10 minutes into the game. It was 1-0 yeah. after seven minutes and that was the only mm-hmm. goal of the game. So it's like... <laughs> Pointless. <laughs> I've, had one, I've had ones like that before. So it's kind yeah. of like, at least there was more goals coming off the back of the start. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. But... That's funny, even just talking about that game just now, you know how you get the old goosebumps and the hairs yeah. in the back of the neck? Just yeah. still, still happening, even thinking about that game, just talking about it just now. But yeah, unbelievable. The thing with uh, Henrik's goal where he's chipped Kloss as well, the, yeah. like, as much as I can't stand their, like, that club and everything about them, Kloss yeah. was, I'll, I could, I'll call a spade a spade, Kloss was a quality goalkeeper. Oh. I will say that. Absolutely. And to make him look absolutely, not even second rate, he made him look third rate with that mm. chip. Yeah. It just shows the the skill and the class that the King of Kings had. Yeah. No, d- definitely. It was. Um, I think. I think for uh, 
you know, fans of, I guess, our generation, people that remember that or people that will see it, um, maybe younger ones that will, you know, they'll see it on YouTube and stuff and because we've got the social media. It's a goal that you see often. Uh, whether it's an it's anniversary, you'll see it, or just, you know, Henry highlights or whatever, but it's there for, it's, it's going to be played out, you know, for, for many, many years to come because it was just such a classy goal. You know, the flick, the little flick down from Sutton, things like that, the cheeky little nutmeg through Bertie Boy Conterman's legs and things. And, and as you say, it just made Kloss look like an idiot. And I love, the other thing I love about seeing that picture is the reaction of the ball boys behind the goal. It's Jumping like that's mad jump. Yeah, it's just this mad jump and the, you know, the, the legs kind of disappear behind them. It's just a... Yeah, it's just like every one of us felt that that particular day, but it's yeah, it just it sticks in the memory and it always will. I think that particular goal and that particular game. All right, so here's a challenging one for you then. So we start to wrap this this up a little bit. Who would be your all-time top five Celtic players? If you had to uh, pick a, like a five-a-side team, you don't even have to pick a keeper. Ah, uh, oh, so you're talking about the best here, or just my just, my personal? Your personal. So if personal you were five. to put, if you were to pick five Celtic yeah. players that, in your opinion, yeah. were your favourites, who would they be and why? Okay. It's always a tough because um, number six, seven, and eight always are tough to leave out. <laughs> yeah, it would be. So if it's uh, if I go for player, well, I'll say, and again, I'll go just with the players that I've seen in my lifetime, um, because again, you know, we've all heard a. You know, Billy McNeil, he finished playing. I was too young to remember Billy McNeil. Um, guys like this and Jimmy Johnson. I was Jimmy Johnson's career was just finishing as I was kind of about five year old or something like that. So, so I won't I won't even consider talking about those guys in terms of old time. It'll just be guys I've seen. So Henrik's got to be mentioned. So we've got to throw Henrik in there straight away. He doesn't need any intro. Um, so you have to say there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So we'll certainly have Henrik in there. Um, there's another guy that I absolutely loved, um, and, and I rank him as anybody that kind of knows me when we have these conversations. I always say the the best. So Henrik's probably the best player I've seen in the hoops, but the best striker I have seen in the hoops. There's somebody I rate above Henrik as an as a natural striker. I think Henrik was the greatest all time player I've ever seen, and of course he was a superb goal scorer. But in terms of the best striker I've ever seen in the hoops, it's uh, Georges Cadet. Uh, now, Cadet, he, he was only at Celtic for about a season. But the guy was phenomenal. I, I remember seeing him. Sport and Lisbon played Celtic. Well, they've played them, a, they've played them a, a couple of times in European competition, once in the 80s. And then once, it must have been in the 90s or something. I remember being at the game, but I remember seeing this guy with the big mop of head, uh, big mop of hair, um, and it was that you know look at the program. Who's this guy? Josh Cadet. He was one of the guys. I'm one of these guys, Jared. That see when I'm at a game, I'm see unless an an opposition player is outstanding, I don't really notice the opposition because I'm too busy just wanting to watch Celtic. So I don't, unless somebody is is outstanding, I don't really tend to notice the opposition. But see that game. That particular game that night, Josh Cadet, he was unbelievable for Sport in Lisbon. He was just he, he destroying our defence, basically. And then see when we get linked, it was fairly shortly after that we did get linked with him. And yeah, uh, I've got oh, his stats so up exciting. now, and he's did yeah. like 37 games for us for 30 goals in that one season. That's just ridiculous. Un- unbelievable, Jared. The guy was phenomenal. And again, people that, that know the story of Josh Cadet, when we signed him, um, everybody was excited about this signing because uh, they knew what he was capable of and they knew what his goal scoring record was like. And they're so excited. But this wee, this wee shit at the time that was at the SFA, Jim Farry. It was proven later on that he actually delayed the, uh, the registr- uh, George Cadet's registration going through so that he couldn't make, and I think it was a game against Rangers. Yeah, he couldn't I, make I, his debut in a, in a game against, in an old firm game. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, that, that was it. That was it. So I wasn't sure if it was that. I know, I know it was a big game, but anyway, 
this wee shit for the SFA, he he delayed his, his actual uh, uh, registration so that he couldn't play in that game, which just uh, annoyed everybody, but it just meant when he did make his debut, it was even more welcomed. So he didn't start the game. It was a game against Aberdeen. Really cold night at Celtic Park, remember it well. And Jos uh, Cadet, we were... We were quite comfortable in the game, I think, as well. We were we were winning quite quite well, but then Cadet came on. I can't remember. I'd say it was fifteen twenty minutes to go, something like that. You know, rousing applause when he came on, making his debut. And there there'll be a lot of Celtic fans might not remember this, but he scored after you know a couple of minutes of coming on. But see, before the goal he scored, that put the Radio Five live off the air. He'd actually had another chance to score. He'd been slid through, and he, it was a, it was unlucky rather than a bad miss. But anyway, I think a lot, a lot of people remember Josh Cadet's debut goal. Anyway, it's, it was Peter Grant actually slid it through him, beautiful pass, and he just runs on it and a nice wee dink over the keeper, and it did the the the, the sound of the crowd of that cheer. It put um, the Radio Five Live as a radio station. Blew it, blew it off the air. It blew it off the air because of the, the actual noise the crowd made when his goal went in. But I mean that that was just. But for me, Josh Cadet, unbelievable striker in terms of just a natural striker that knew where the net was. Unbelievable. So there's that's me only get two, mate. I better hurry up with the rest. <laughs> I'm going to a quick a quick two. I'll give you and these two defenders, best defender I've ever seen in my life. And the hoops, it's got to be big Virgil. Um, we all know what Virgil's went on to do now, and you know talked about being one of the best players in the world. But I think anybody that saw Virgil Van Dyke in his time at Celtic just knew he was absolute class. He was destined for for something. Uh, Not just one level, he was destined for like two or three. Oh, uh, you could just see it. it. It's the same when, when we saw Dembele and same with Eddie. We all know that that's right. they're destined for a higher level and it's we're just like enjoying watching him play. So that's what it was like with him. That's right, absolutely. So, yeah, so big Virgil, he, he'd have to be up there. Uh, I'll go for another centre-half, actually, as, my, as my, my fourth, and that'll be... He was always my best centre-half until big Virgil came along, and it was uh, Paul Elliott. So Paul Elliott was a big guy that... Um, we signed him from Pisa in Italy and uh, he was there at a time when Celtic weren't really doing too great but um, just as a centre half I remember his first couple of games he was bloody awful he was shocking I remember my old man and my brother went in to see his debut at a reserve game at Celtic Park and they came home and they said oh see that big dumpling we've signed from Pisa absolutely shocking waste of space and it, it did take him a few games to settle, but see when Paul Elliott settled in, unbelievable centre-half, just committed, fast, strong, you know, great physical presence as well. No nonsense, so, get the basics right. No nonsense. And again, my old man would always say as well that like Billy McNeil for him is the best centre-half at Celtic, but Paul Elliott, uh, and, and for people of that generation as well, to, to go above Lisbon Lions... You start to think, yeah, this guy's definitely a player. So when my old man had said, I oh, know Paul Elliott, better, better centre-half than Billy McNeil. So, no, definitely agree with you there, old man. So uh, that's that's four out of five, and it's uh, so difficult to come up with a fifth. It's a toss-up for me between uh, Lubo and uh, Nakamura, I think, for the fifth. Love those two players. We'll go 5A and 5B, there you go. We'll go 5A and 5B, and you can switch them around if you want, but just great natural talents, both of them. Entertainers, Nakamura's free kicks, unbelievable. Uh, and Lubo, just as an entertainer, using his arse to control the ball against Hearts and things like that. His two goals against the Huns and his debut against them and things, just uh, he, he was top notch as well. So there you go, 5A and 5B. Love it. <laughs> Good, good choices there. It's, it's funny when I ask that question. It's one of my favourite ones. Even when you're at the pub, mm. you have that conversation. There goes a couple of hours. Oh, everyone's got different opinions and that. But yeah, like first time on this list, I've had a 
George Kidd and Paul Elliott on there, but that's oh, that's good. great. I like I'm it. Glad, I'm glad there's a bit of uniqueness there then. So that's good. <laughs> All right, and my last question for mm. you, which is my favourite one to ask because it's a bit of a it can stump you, but mm. it can also be a one word answer. So mm. in your lifetime, yeah, who is the one player? I would say, other than Messi and Ronaldo, that yeah. didn't play for Celtic that you wish signed for us, put the hoops on and played for us, and why? Yeah, that's a tough one as well, Jared. That's a I did a podcast, did a podcast with um, mm. Chloe, this um, person, a couple of days ago, and mm-hmm. she was like, oh, and she gave me some answers, and then she's gone afterwards. Oh, I come up with like ten better answers about three yeah. hours later. Yeah, I oh, no, listen, there's a few there's oh, there is there's a few, but if I had to pick one, um it's do, do you know what? I saw there was something on Facebook, it was my cousin had put this up on Facebook last week, I think, and it was talking about, you know, who's the best player you've seen in the flesh and things like that. Like not on telly, but the best player you've seen in the flesh. And it did remind me of a guy that I did see years and years and years ago at Celtic Park. I think it was a pre-season friendly we were playing. Red Star Belgrade. And there was this midfielder for for them called Dragan Stojkovic. Yeah, um, I know so it, Right, so he that was when it was still the old Yugoslavia, I think. I'm pretty sure it was. It was either it was either they were still playing as Yugoslavia or it literally they just split up. But I have a feeling it was still under former Yugoslavia. So Red Star Belgrade or a Yugoslavian team or whatever. Yeah. But Dragan Stojkovic, just midfield maestro, unbelievable. He's just uh, it's again as I'm saying. You know, I've seen Messi in the flesh, and I know I can't pick him and Ronaldo and these guys, but. Um, Dragan Stojkovic, that particular game, he was just unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, that that's probably one. one. One in more modern times, it'd be a toss-up between Xavi of uh, Barcelona, who's now retired, of course. I would have loved to see that guy in the hoops. Um, and uh, Andres Iniesta as well from Barcelona. I thought he was one of the more underrated of their players at that, and that brilliant team that Barca had. I really loved Vianney Esther. If they didn't mm. have Messi, they would have been bigger stars than... Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yep. They, they did, they're they the sort of guys, like, in a way, if you look at like a Man United, for instance, mm-hmm. they're the Paul Scholes to the David Beckham and Ryan Giggs is in that midfield. Yep, yep. But those guys, I mean, any, any one of those three I mentioned, Stojkovic, it, it, bizarrely enough, it's all midfielders as well. It's uh, it's not, you know, strikers, which you usually maybe think in ones that bang the goals in. But I, I just like see a really creative midfielder that can pick a pass and open up a defence. It's just, uh, I think that's what's, it can be really exciting to watch. And players like that, that have just, they, they make it look so easy. Uh, really good midfielders like that. I'd have loved to have seen any one of the three of them in the hoops. Well, when you say Dragan Stojkovic, I was mm. just like, I was sitting here going, my wife, when she listens to this podcast, is going to love that because her family's Serbian and Red Stars oh, club. So there, they're there going to get go. a nice little kick out of this at the end of the pod too. So there you great go. Well, he Kevin. Was, yeah, well, he was. He was, he was unbelievable, Stojkovic. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, so he was a... Wish we... I actually reckon still to this day that we should be looking at that market more because, like, there's a lot of quality players there. You get them young enough, you get them cheaper, and there's so much development yeah. and everything. It's like you could get the Croatians, the Bosnians, the Serbians. Absolutely. Get, go into the oh. Balkan area, and that's the area, like, we've got to look at it and go, we want to get in earlier before the Italian teams get in there. Uh, absolutely. Totally agree, Jared. And you could, you could go, I mean, see without even... Uh, thinking about it, it, it often puzzles me how you know you, we employ these scouts and clubs employ these scouts, and that's that's their that's their job to go and find players. But without even putting too much effort into it, you would just go to, to a division like that. Look at the Serbian league, look at the Croatian leagues. You know, go to Romania, Bulgaria, those those kind of areas down there where you're not competing with 
massive television deals and you're not getting guys that are on a hundred grand a week in bloody wages and all this. Get down there, get to a team that's either, you know, they're winning the leagues all the time, pick a midfielder, pick a, a good, you know, who's your most consistent goal scorer? Scout these guys out, you know, look at look at the stats and then go and follow the guys and see what's happening because you can pick up some absolute bargains down there. Yeah, you look at your Poland's, your Austrians, yeah. your Switzerland's, because yep. those clubs, that's where your, your Belgian, your yep. clubs in Belgium, they recruit from, and then they sell those players. They pay maybe £5 million for a, a player there, or four mm-hmm. and a, three to £4 million for a player. Yep. Then they're flipping them on in a season or two to club, clubs in Europe, in um, Spain or over in Italy or whatever for £15, £20 that's, that's, right. that's the model. That's what we Absolutely. need to be doing. And, and it, de- it definitely suits Celtic's model because I think, as we all know, it's they, they try and it doesn't work out all the time. But again, guys like Van Dyke, guys like Wanyama, guys like Dembele, guys like you know, I uh, suppose we'll, we'll lose Edouard for a good profit at some point as well. But these are guys that you can pick them from the, fr- the either the fringes of really good teams that they're never going to make it into anyway in big leagues or go and buy top players from some of these leagues that we can at least compete financially with so that you're not having to fork out ridiculous amounts of money for them and then give them the platform itself to develop them, bring them through we're we're kidding ourselves on if, if we think that we can hold on to really really good players, we're never going to be able to do that until such times as we were in a league where they're throwing ridiculous amounts of money and we're playing on a, a level playing field with, with some of the, the bigger clubs in Europe. But right now, it's it's the only way to do it. You know, pick up these stars, try to bring our own guys through and then sell sell them on for big money so that you've got more to invest in some of these these markets uh, where you can you can pick up some gems, I'm sure of it. It's a maximum three, four year cycle. You get it, you sign a player, you bet them in for a year, then they do two, two years or whatever it is in the first yeah. team squad doing well. Then you sell them, you sign them on a five year contract. Yeah, you sell them with fair. two years left, you're getting maximum money back before you have to give them a new contract or that's right. whatever. That's, right. that's the model the club is doing. Yeah. And realistically, we can't be doing much worse than spending, say, two million on an Amino Baldi. Or yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Sort of, yeah, exactly. That's the first one that popped exactly. in on my head. I'm like, <laughs> if you're gonna go and drop two million on him, or yeah, what was it on the the current striker we got, Bayo? We spent two million on him, yeah, and then we go and spend three and a half million on Clamella. Like, I'd yeah. rather spend five million on yeah. like what we spent on Bayo and Clamella in the last year. I'd rather spend five, six, seven million on a quality one that we can that's sell right. for twenty to thirty in the in three years' time. Like another Edward, then spend it two million here, two million there, a million there, just spending out the club's ashtray money, basically. Totally agree, Jared. Totally yeah. agree. And imagine that was your job. Imagine you had that was your salary. You were paid to fly around Europe scouting players. I, I know the system I'd be looking at. You could you could bloody go into FIFA on the PlayStation or Xbox and have a look at some of these players. You could do your scouting that way as well. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> I could think of a lot worse jobs to do than that, oh, I'm telling you. Unbelievable, man. Imagine you were getting paid for that as well. How good would it be? Yeah, I would be. Yeah, there's, there's so many people out there who would do that for a pit, and so would be like, hey, I'm just happy to give something back to my club. That's but right. at the end of the Absolutely. day, like, it's it's what we got to do. Like, you got to pick certain markets and go, okay, these are the ones we want to focus on Yeah. and just lock in on it. Because, okay, we're not going to buy team players from the top tier in Brazil. Mm. We're not going to buy top tier Spanish players. We're not going to get top quality players out of Holland, for instance. Yeah. So let's look at the next next tier of markets. Either we're developing our own, or as you said, we get the young players from the youth academies and that in yeah. England. Yeah. Or we go in all the other bigger clubs, like yeah. we're looking at that guy at Atletico Madrid at the moment. And, okay. Or we... Or we go and have a look at at these sort of countries. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's the way it's the way to go. And and again, any any Celtic fans right now that think we'll ever be able to compete with these, or they're, they're kidding themselves on. There's no way. And we would all love to hang on to the great players. We'd all have loved to hang on to Amusa Dembele. 
we would all have loved to hang on to a Kieran Tierney, a Van Dyke, a Bloody Winyard, all of these guys, and Edward will be the next one to go. But I think the sooner Celtic fans realise that it's just it's not practical in this day and age. As long as we can have a conveyor belt kind of coming through, that we can try our best to replace some of these stars because a lot of them are irreplaceable. You, you try to get as good as, but um, it's going to be very difficult. But it's it's unfortunately the situation we're in. It's the it's the league we play in. It's the sponsorships we can attract. We're never going to be able to hang on to these guys. And it's uh, yeah, as you said, that that two years or maybe three years, Jared or something that we can maybe hang on to a really top class player. Let's get the best out of them for that period and then wish them good luck on their way and hopefully we can replace them with somebody else. It's the old conveyor belt, as you said, like what Salzburg does, for instance, where it's like, okay, we know we're going to sell this guy, probably lose him in the next 12 months or so, so let's get a guy in to bet in underneath him. Like when we had Dembele, we brought yeah. the guard in underneath him. That's right. And look look at that, the forward planning. It's We've got yep. to be looking at that at centre-back as well because Ira will move on next season or two. You're yeah. going to have Cham move on at some point. You're going to have Edward. So there's three players up the spine of the team. Yeah, that we right. need to be forward planning for. So yep. anyway, the club will figure it out. That's why they've got people they pay the big bucks to do this stuff for. And you and me Absolutely. are just over here in Australia on a podcast, <laughs> you know, talking talking a bit of shite about our football club. So throw, throwing in the toppings worth, throwing in the toppings worth as we yeah, always exactly. do. <laughs> yeah. oh, good stuff. All right. So thanks, Kevin, for having a chat with me for this podcast. Everyone, give no the worries, mate. Mandra Celtic Supporters Club in Western Australia a follow. It's on Facebook. There's a group, Mandra Celtic Supporters Club. Yeah. And on Twitter, it's at CSC Mandra. I'll tag them in the... Um, I'll put them in the oh, description of the podcast. So everyone, give them a follow, a bit of a like, and support some Tims over here in Western Australia. Good on you, Charlie. Thanks very much. It was nice to speak to you. Mate. You too, Kevin. Nice. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.